Well, good morning. So glad you all are here. Like I said, that's some of my favorite few moments of the whole week there is when we get together and sing praises. Um, but glad that you're here. Wow, the weather is awesome. Finally. Um, got, to, got to church without a giant sweat mark going down my back. Um, today is our final message in the series in the book of Philippians. We've walked through the book of Philippians, uh, those first three chapters, and now we're in chapter four. Um, this message series uh, entitled Moving Forward. And so we've talked about how the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi uh, to encourage them in their faith, to, to encourage them to press on, keep moving forward, forget what's behind and move forward, grow, mature in your faith. He's calling all of us to do that. Um, abound more and more in your walk with Christ. And it makes a difference. It should, it should make a difference in our lives. It should make a difference at our jobs and in school and in our homes and our neighborhoods when Christ is, is, is living in us and we are decreasing and he is increasing, right? The world around us should see that. You know, there's lots of debates about, you know, politics and different cultural and social issues and, and uh, we're in bad shape or some people think we're maybe in worse shape or whatever as a society. As a co- Listen, the answer is believers, Christians, followers of Christ, beginning and continuing to grow in our relationship with Jesus and that he would shine more and more through us to bring hope to the world that's all around us. And so we come to chapter 4. And as I was preparing for this last message, I reflected on this, this whole uh, letter of Paul and, and a lot of Paul's writings. And it made me think of my own family a little bit. And so I may get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. My wife, <laughs> she's already shaking her head, and my wife's already shaking her head, no. Um, my wife and I were raised in two different kinds of households, okay? Two different vibes. And I'm walking through a minefield here, so I'll be careful. In Tony's family, it was a little more, there's a little more aggressive vibe, I guess, when you, when you walk through the door, you know, the way that everyone spoke to one another, the conversations that they had, they're a little more aggressive, louder, um, I, I thought when I first got there a little harsher, you know, I was just like, okay, is somebody mad at me or what? And in my house, we grew up as a little more gentle, maybe, uh, even a little jovial, we're laughing. And not, not that they didn't laugh, but it was just a different vibe, you know. There was this kind of pleasant uh, vibe a lot of the time, not all the time. So one of the ways that that presented a challenge in our relationship and in our family is, you know, oftentimes especially when we first got married, I would interpret kind of Tony as being angry at me or mad or like, what's, the, what's wrong? What did I do? And she's like, nothing, nothing. She's very, very straight to the point. Um, and oftentimes our children, you know, as they began to grow as well, there's times where they weren't sure, is, mom, is mommy mad? <laughs> they weren't sure. They got, to, they got more and more used to uh, her beautiful way. And, um, and we got... <laughs> We got used to one another as a family, so now we communicate. We all understand each other. But on the other side of it, for me, what happened oftentimes is I'll be smiling and laughing, and I'm inside, my head is exploding, and I'm angry. And you just don't know it. And I'm trying to be really careful and be really pleasant and get through it, but you don't really know. And so that can be a problem. No one knows exactly 
what's going on all the time because of the way that we communicate differently. And so as I look, and you're saying, well, how, what does that have to do with Philippians? Well, as I read what Paul writes, oftentimes he comes across pretty aggressive, right? It would be easy to interpret his message as fairly negative message, right? When he speaks about, in chapter 3, he says, watch out for the dogs and the evildoers. He talks about the enemies of Christ headed for destruction. In chapter 1, he talked about those who preached out of selfish ambition and insincerity. At one point, he says, I wish that these um, legalists would emasculate themselves, right? He says we're all in conflict, and the call to, is to persevere, press on, fight immaturity. So it seems a bit aggressive, and it is a little bit because Paul is passionate, but his heart is full of joy. He is rejoicing, and his call for us is to have a heart of joy, too, in Christ. And in this final chapter, he brings it in for a landing by closing it out with some encouragement for all of us. All of his warning, all of his urgency, at its core, the message is one of hope and of joy for you this morning and for me. And so, chapter 4, we're going to be reading the first nine verses of chapter 4. It'll be on the screen if you have something you want, a, a Bible or... Something else you want to look at? Um, as long as it has a scripture in it, you can follow along. <laughs> Starting in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, for my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Sintichi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who communicates your word to our hearts, Lord. May we have alert ears tonight, uh, today. And may we be ready to be obedient, God, and not just, not just hearers, but doers. Lord, speak as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the title of the message today is joy, The Joy of the Journey. I think it's on there. The Joy of the Journey. You've heard joy in the journey, but this is the entire journey. This is joy. It's a joyous walk with Christ. And we've been discussing these past few weeks, you know, the message of this letter of moving forward. It's a continued lifetime journey towards Christ maturing, growing in your faith. And it's always a process, right? Growth is always a process, and it's not always pleasant. It's not always easy. The same goes for growth in our faith. In a world that's going oftentimes in the complete opposite direction, 
It can be difficult. However, Paul says it is a journey of joy. It is a life of hope and peace in the middle of a struggle. And so Paul gives us a few keys here uh, to walking in that joy as he brings this letter to a close. And let's see, first the key is, first key is to rejoice. He says that right in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He repeated it right there in that same sentence. In your pressing, in your walk with Jesus, rejoice. Rejoice in it. These Christians were in Philippi. They were being persecuted to a certain degree. They were facing oppression. They lived in a harsh land. It wasn't easy to be a Christian. I know New York City is not the easiest place sometimes to be a Christian. But in the midst of the struggle, Paul says it's important, it's critical to rejoice. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's amazing. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What we're rejoicing in is not necessarily the difficulty we're going through. What we're rejoicing in is Christ. Is that we have peace with God. And it's to carry ourselves with that kind of joy. You ever hear somebody say, what does he know that we don't know? You know, somebody may be acting a little bit strange. and He's saying rejoice. In this world of conflict, of division, people attacking one another, of hatred, all kinds of stuff, he's saying that we should be walking with a sense of joy. We should be walking with a sense of rejoicing in every circumstance, in every situation, not because of what we're going through, but because of Christ, because we know him. It's a difference in our countenance. There are hard days, but it's not who we are as followers of Christ, to be downtrodden. Whatever you're facing today, let me encourage you, rejoice in the Lord because your hope is in something greater than yourself. Our hope is in something greater than what we see on the news or outside. Here's what our hope is in. Our hope is that God is on his throne. Our joy is in that God loves me and you and he demonstrated that love in Christ. My joy comes from God is walking with me. Knowing that he has a future for me. He's watching over me. He has a future for me on this earth. He's got a future for you beyond this earth. My rejoicing is in the Lord. That's what he said. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's not in my circumstances. Sometimes Sunday morning, is that's exactly what it is for me. It's a reminder to rejoice. So not only rejoice, but relax. Right? In verse 5, he says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I have to share this funny little story. This week, I was studying for this message, and, and I, something came to my mind when I read that scripture, and I thought about relaxing. I knew there's like a, a saying or something, right, that goes around. I don't know if it's on the Internet or what. It's on people's, I remember it's on people's T-shirts or I've seen it posted somewhere. And I texted Sophie because she's my connection to the popular culture. And uh, I said, isn't there a saying or something that says, like, I think it's relax and proceed? <laughs> relax and, that sounded right. 
She, she wrote back with all these laughing faces. You mean keep calm and carry on? That's it. That's it. So I guess she posted it on her story or something. All these people are like, relax and proceed. That's my new, that's my new phrase. That's my new saying. What Paul is saying is here is don't be anxious. Don't, don't white knuckle this life. Enjoy it. Relax in Jesus. Because we just talked about it. it is stressful, right? But it's our perspective. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That's where our hope is. That's what I can rest in and relax in is that the Lord is with me. I am not alone. You are not alone this morning. You have a companion. You have a guide every day. You have a protector in every situation. So you can relax and proceed. That's an amazing thought, though. Do you, do you realize that? The God of the universe is walking with you. He came in here with you this morning. When you leave here, he's going with you. Some people leave church or they sit through church and they go, you don't know what I live in. You don't know what I'm dealing with. I know that God does and he's right there with you. It's an amazing thought. He sees ahead of you this morning. You may not know what's coming. He sees it and he's got you. You can rest in him. He cares for you. He's protecting you. Even this morning, as you came here, God is looking out for you and caring for you. See, it's, an, a, life, it's a life as a Christian. We, we have a life of an eternal perspective. God is at work eternally and even in, in my everyday life. So I hold loosely to the world. A lot of us are, like I said, white-knuckling it. We're holding on and we're watching the news. We're seeing uh, all kinds of media. We're seeing what's happening in the culture, in the government, and we're anxious. The very thing he says here, not to be. We're stressed out about every headline. We're stressed out about what everyone thinks about us. The things we deal with every day press us down. He's saying, rest in Christ. Don't be anxious in a day of cultural and political and all kinds of battles, stop trying to be a martyr, right? Some of us are hiding. Some of us are getting out there and thinking we're defending God. We're going to fight for God's rights. Listen, what happens is that that fight steals our joy. We walk in truth. Live the truth. Let God fight God's battles. Be faithful and obedient. Don't let the things of the world dictate my joy keep your focus on Jesus he's got today and he's got you Psalm 46 verse 2 and 3 says the mountains crumble into the sea let the oceans roar and foam let the mountains tremble as the waters surge and then later down he says I will be still and know that he is God he is God no matter what's happening around me see the confidence that Paul referring to right here and throughout this letter is a confidence not in yourself. It's a confidence in Jesus, and that's part of maturing. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. I was just going to read, uh, there's a couple verses, passages I'm going to share this morning that just have been hugely powerful in my life, and this is one of those passages I'm just going to read the whole thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 24 says, Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Trust in Jesus. He's got you. He was was keeping the world spinning before you got here. He will continue until he's ready to, to end that. He talks about reasonable. Let your reasonableness be known. That word literally means gentleness. We should be known for our kindness as Christians. Just because the world amps up its rhetoric doesn't mean we have to amp up our rhetoric, right? We trust our battles are being fought by the Lord. Can you have a conversation with someone about things you're passionate about without losing your minds, losing your cool? Can you talk about faith? Can you talk about culture, even politics? Can you have those discussions without embarrassing yourself or or being rude? He says, let your gentleness be obvious. You know, we talk about living questionable life sometimes so that people ask you, "What, what is it you have? I want what you have. Where are you finding this peace? It means we react differently. It's in the little things. It's in the hope that we have. See, when I look at the world today, somebody said this uh, not too long ago to me. They live down South Alabama. They said, I don't know how you guys, I don't know how you function up there, especially as Christians. I mean, just, I don't know. I see great opportunity. The darker it is, the more opportunity we have to shine light. It takes little things to shine light. It takes a a soft response. It it, it takes just caring about someone else and asking about their day, asking about what's going on in their life and waiting for God to open up the door, being sensitive to know that God wants to use us in the life of the people all around us every day. We We have a great opportunity. Even the way that our friends see us go through struggle, your lost neighbors and friends and coworkers, the message isn't, hey, we're Christians, so we don't have any problems. No, The message is, in the midst of the struggle, even with tears coming down my face, I have peace and I have hope because I know that he's got me in the palm of his hand. They need to see that in us. We have to react differently, demonstrate our hope. So rejoice, relax. He also says to request. In verse 6, I don't usually do alliteration. It just fell this way. These words are in here. Verse 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. See, again, this, it's this matter of focus in my life. It's not focused on me. It's a focus on Christ. Is it a lot? Yes. Does he say, 
come to me, look to me, walk with me. Yes, it's a lot. But how does it work out for us? How has it worked out in our culture, in our nation, in the world, in your own personal life? When your focus was primarily you, we chase our tails. We spin our wheels, however you want to put it. We destroy ourselves. We run in circles. What Paul is talking about here is making Christ not an afterthought, but part of our daily walk, part of my daily conversation with Him. This is not a, this is not a psychological or philosophical idea. This is walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus throughout my day. It's about personal worship. He says there, but in everything by prayer. So first of all, he talks about prayer. It's, it's no secret translation here. Pray. Not just a one-time thing when I'm going through a difficult time, although he calls us to, to pray in those times as well. It's not a special event. It's a conversation as I go. That's, that's part of why we were given prayer, is so that we don't live life like this. But do we live even walking down Columbus Avenue? We're walking down going, Lord, use me today. God, show me who you would reach through me today. Direct my steps today. He says, by prayer and supplication. This word supplication means requests. It means to ask. It's casting our cares. It's coming. It's being honest with the Lord. It's an active part of your life, your, your communication with God. He's saying, come, request. And he says, with thanksgiving. When I reflect on Jesus, I start counting my blessings you ever go over to the park? I, I want to encourage you, if, you're, if you live around here, go over to Central Park and just sit and just praise God for all that He's blessed you with. Go through your life, go through your day, think about the blessings that you have. And get to where we're walking down the street doing that, praising God. I often wonder if we hear a message on Sunday morning and the call to to go get in the Word and spend time in prayer. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's what the pastor's supposed to say. That's great. But life's, real life's not like that. No, no. It's not, it's not philosophical. It's not just theological. It's practical. It's daily. It's the key to walking and growing in your faith. If you're not spending time in Scripture and you're not spending time in prayer, you're going to stay a baby in your faith. And then when the winds blow and the storms come and when people challenge you, you're not going to know what to say. You're just going to kind of fade into the background. God, you're not going to be usable in God's hands. When you go through struggles, your own trials, it's going to be like trying to resurrect your faith to even pray. He says, no, walk with me. The Lord loves to hear from you. He loves to hear from me. He loves to walk with us. Hebrews 4.16, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What he's talking about there is because it's our relationship with him, we, we're, we come boldly to his throne. It's not a Hail Mary. It's because we have a relationship. We understand. We trust him. And we come and bring our requests to him. You know, I shared a song not too long ago. It's a Sophie song, a song I wrote for her when she was just a little, little girl. And it just talks about how she runs by. She did it when she's little. Sometimes she does it now. And it, it's, it's really a father's desire to hold his child. It's really my desire to, to hold her, my, my child, and talk to her and have her close to me. That's the desire that God has for you and for me as his children. He wants us close to come to him. 
I don't know, as a father, as I get older, my kids are growing up now. It's something, it's weird. It's a haunting thought that starts to get into my mind every now and then, then I block it out, that my kids are growing up and going out, and they're slowly disappearing from our house. But it's like haunting a little bit. So if I think about it too long, I get upset because I love having them close. Listen, that's given to us by our Father, our Heavenly Father. He loves us. He wants us close to walk with Him in an intimate relationship. Walk with Him this week. It's amazing, I know, that a holy, perfect King of kings and Lord of lords wants to spend time with you, but He does. And that is how we do this next key. So rejoice, relax, request, and refocus. In verse 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These are the kind of eyes we should have when the Holy Spirit lives within us, when Jesus is living in us and moving through us. And how do you see that way? I have to continually refocus my vision, consistently shift my focus back to Christ, back to His promises. See through the eyes of faith and thanksgiving. Because what that does is when we refocus on Jesus, it repairs, it repairs our perspective that oftentimes gets oftentimes gets wounded. To see the good, to see the wise and prudent and honorable and lovely, this is a supernatural thing because it's not everywhere. It's not obvious all around us. But that flows from our worship and our rejoicing in Christ. Otherwise, we become like scoffers. Remember the psalmist in Psalm 1? He says, don't be like that. Don't sit in the seat of the scoffer. Do you know anybody that's hard to be around for too long? Everything's negative. Everything's Eeyore, sometimes we call them in our house. Jesus gives us a new perspective. He says, seek out the good. See me. I had a boss one time who said, because I was pretty new and I was kind of his right-hand man, and if I heard something was going on, I'd come to him real quick. I'd be like, hey, uh, I don't. I just want to give you a heads up. They're saying this over there. Or this is happening over there. After a couple of weeks, he said, "Hey, let me tell you. Let me give you some encouragement too. Thanks so much for all that." He goes, "Let's see. What happens is, when you come and give me bad news all the time, you become that guy, and then I hate seeing you. <laughs> and I want us to have a good relationship. But you're you're the bearer of bad news all the time. You don't have to tell me everything. We don't want to be that person. We." Paul encourages those in this struggle. It's not that things aren't difficult. It's not, it's not that we're in a, not in a struggle, but it's see Christ. Open up our eyes to see Jesus. Spend time in prayer. Spend time worshiping Him, giving prayers of thanksgiving and praise. And then it affects our vision. Refocus. Like I said, on Sunday mornings when we get together, soak it in. Refocus your life on Jesus. And then we leave this place Often what happens is we're like, yes, in church. And then slowly as we leave, it's like it starts to get back down on everyone else and then ourselves. I want to read this psalm to you because my grandfather read it to me one time years ago. I was having a real hard time because of all the things that were going bad, difficult in my life. And I looked around at the world and I didn't think it was so fair. I was I'm wondering, what's the deal, God? 
So I called my grandfather, who's a um, wise pastor, and he pointed me to Psalm 73. And so this is another one with a few verses, but I wanted to put it all up for you to see because it's important. He says, but as for me, starting in verse 2, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice loftily. They threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. That word discern means to understand to have a correct view. What the psalmist is saying, when I just looked at mankind, when I kept my eyes on the world and the things going on in the world, I saw the terrible things, and even in my own life, the, the harshness and struggle that I'm going through, and I saw the wicked prosper. It's difficult. But when I looked to the Lord, when I fixed my eyes on Him, when I got realized I'm in His presence, when I came into His presence and sat before Him, then my whole perspective changed. The way I see the world changed. The way I understood changed. Listen, Christians, we shouldn't be unpleasant to be around. We shouldn't go hook, line, and sinker with the rest of the world and the negativity and all of that. Not because we're so nice, but because we walk with Jesus and He's shining through us. That negative, critical spirit is a product of our eyes not being on Jesus, but on others and ultimately myself and how everything affects me. I pray that Sundays and small groups and D groups are a time that you can refocus on that, but I pray every day that you'll spend time in the Word, you'll spend time in prayer, make it a priority in your life, I'm telling you, so you don't lose that joy. And finally, he says, respond. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Obedience, obedience to what we learn, obedience to what we read, obedience to what God says to us. The Spirit of God speaks to us. Even this morning, as you think about these points, and some of them might have stepped on your toes, maybe some of them made you think, hopefully, Ask the Holy Spirit, show me. Show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to shift my focus. This walk with Jesus, this maturing that we've been talking about, 
must absolutely and will absolutely affect the way you live life every day. How has what you heard today from the Word of God, how has it affected you? How is it going to affect this next week? Are you perfect in all, your, in all of this? Even Paul said in chapter 3, not that I've achieved it, not that I've gotten there, but I press on to take hold of that. Let me encourage you today, ask the Holy Spirit, where do I need to refocus? Where am I losing joy? Because if we don't respond in obedience, we just become more and more hardened and callous. So do you rejoice? Are you relaxing? Are you resting in Christ? Are you anxious? Are you requesting? Are you spending time in personal worship and time in His Word and, and in prayer? And where's your focus? And today, how are you going to respond? Because he says in verse 9, this is what's on the line. And the God of peace will be with you. When I know that God is with me, he's, He doesn't leave. This is not a we don't have to do this as a requirement for him to be with us. What he's saying is, he's with you. That is the power with which we do all these things. His peace. But oftentimes we can go through life and not experience his peace. We can be looking for it in all different places. Experience the peace of God in your heart and your life today. What are you stressed out about? What, what are you anxious about today? Leave it at his feet. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 8. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Listen, today I want to close out the book of Philippians by us just casting our cares on him. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever challenges you have, Lay your life before Him. Not just those things, but lay your heart before Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart this morning. If there be anything that is stealing your joy and is getting your focus this morning. Because listen, the broken people around you, there are broken people living around you and working around you. They need to see the joy in you. They need to see the hope in your life, even as you go through pain, because you are pressing into Christ, walking with Him. That is the key to knowing the joy of this journey until we see Him face to face. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your grace and love. Thank You for the forgiveness of sins. God, thank You that um, we were each created with love, from love for a purpose and that purpose is a relationship with you and so God I pray this morning if there's one here that doesn't know uh, that they have a relationship with you that today would be the day that they would see that they would say God I, I know that I'm a sinner I confess that I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me to pay for my sins I put my faith in his sacrifice be Lord of my life. I pray that today would be the day that they do that. Invite you in by faith 
as Savior. And God, for those of us who have walked through that door, God, I pray that today, maybe it's that we've allowed other things to creep into our field of vision first and foremost. And we've lost the joy. We've lost the rejoicing. We've forgotten to come and to make our requests known. We've forgotten to come with supplication and thanksgiving. And those prayers are far and few between. Those times of our personal worship are less and less. God, today is the day of refocusing, shifting our attention back to you so that we might walk in joy. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you that we don't have to be bound by the things the world, the broken and hurting world around us is bound by, and that we can have hope and we have peace in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.